Hello and welcome to another edition of Here's the Pitch. It is sponsored by Masses Restaurants in St. Louis. Five locations. STLMasses.com is their website. Go there, check out those menus. If you're driving through St. Louis, they have directions. But we know you like the masses and the Italian food. So go there, check that out. And I'm your YouTube friend, Brad. And we continue with our series of former reality stars, of the real world Big Brother survivor, anyone who is interested in coming on this show. And today I'm very excited Someone in my own hometown who I've never even met. Mike Johnson is right there. And how have we, we don't, we live like five miles from each other right now and we still haven't run into each other. I don't even know how this is possible, but hello, Mike. Thank you for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, I, I do travel quite a bit with my racing schedule and kids and family and everything else. So I'm, and I'm kind of a homebody, so I don't go out very often. Okay, maybe that's it. Cause I, well, I don't go out much anymore either as in the last, 18 months, but uh, before that I was going out. But uh, Mike, of course, was on Real World Season 4, the London edition. When was the last time you did an interview? For this. An interview for the Real World, like 20 years ago, maybe? <laughs> I was going to say, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in like just kind of the people that I remember seeing and going, well, what, ha- what happened to him? And then again, you're in my hometown. I'm like, I haven't seen him do anything. So um, let's just kind of get, get you know, what you're doing right now. We know that back then, uh, you were trying to get going with the racing and you wanted to be a, a driver, right? And and maybe even own a team. Uh, but now I think you're working in a, you tell us, I don't have to explain. You're here. You tell us. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I drove cars from like all the way up till probably 98, 99. And then uh, I did a few like one-offs here and there, but in the year 2000, the Grand Am series, which was owned by NASCAR was uh, created. Uh, which was the professional sports car series that ran the 24 hours of Daytona and they had races at Watkins Glen and all over the country. So we were one of the first teams to enter that. Uh, my team's called Archangel Motorsports and we uh, won the championship in 2000, 2001 in the prototype class, won the 24 hours of Daytona in 2001. And then um, 2002, we were all set up for another year. And unfortunately another well-known St. Louis and guy named Jeff Clinton was a, uh, killed in a uh, testing accident. And so we kind of had to basically start from scratch and we moved over to the, basically the competing sports car series called the American Le Mans series. And we ran that for the rest of O2. And um, then in 2003, kind of just, you know, picked up some other programs, did some TV for a little while, ran a team in 2004, won the 24 hours of Le Mans. And then in uh, 2005, I took over a, a Daytona prototype team and then from 2007 till about three years ago, I was running Stevenson Motorsports based in North Carolina. Lived in St. Louis and commuted back and forth, but I did spend a year down there in Jacksonville, North Carolina, where the shop was based. And then when Stevenson shut down, I uh, started Archangel Motorsports back up, and I've been running this year a program for two customers, a guy named Alan Bernjolfsson, who owns uh, the Volt Lighting Company uh, based out of Tampa, Florida. And then another actual, believe it or not, St. Louis and a guy named John Potter, he lives in Salt Lake City. He's a MICDS grad, and um, I run a, uh, an Acura NSX for him in the IMSA WeatherTech Championship. So you stu- so all combined, I do about 12 to 15 races a year. Uh, we do anything from the 24 hours of Daytona. We're uh, back Thursday, Thursday morning. I'll be flying off to Long Beach for the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach here this coming weekend. That's great. So you, you stuck with it. That's awesome because, you know, a lot of these folks we see on these shows – you're like, well, you're not doing that anymore, right? But you, you still, still are doing it, and that was like 1995, six, whatever that was. 95, yeah, January to June. Well, that's cool. And then Victory Raceways in St. Louis. If people are watching, tell us a little bit about that. I think you're part owner there. It's in Crestwood, Missouri, and 
near and dear to my heart, South County. I love South County. You don't know where Oakville is, but I had to explain, <laughs> had to explain where Oakville was to this gentleman here. Yeah, unfortunately, I spent most of all my time growing up in the West County and um, you know, it's so weird. My, you you just, you just stay where you stay, you know, you know where you know, and you go where you go. But when about 10 years ago, I wanted to build a indoor go-kart track in St. Louis and, you know, you, you look at all of the options and where rent rates are good and, and where, you know, you've got a, a good clientele of people that you think are going to appreciate that type of sport. And I think that, you know, South County is probably more of a racing area than West County is. And, uh, we found a great location in Crestwood in an old builder square and, um, I think it was a Builder Square, maybe a Kmart, and a, it was a Value City right before I got it. And, um, yeah, we've been there, I want to say, eight years, coming on to our ninth uh, King of the Card, I believe, this November. So it's been, a, it's been a long run, obviously lots of ups and downs. You know, it's uh, when COVID hit, I thought that was the end of it. We'd be all done. And then as we're on the, coming out of the backside of COVID, we're actually doing, you know, pretty well. So um, it's all good. Again, my sponsor's Mass is a St. Louis restaurant, but you'll see on the screen there how to get a hold of Victory Raceway if you're coming through St. Louis or if you are from St. Louis. We get some folks who watch here, but um, I obviously I we came to know you from the real world, and that again we mentioned it was like '95. So what what how did the process happen for you? How did you submit? What what made you want to do the show? Tell me all about it back then. What you were thinking? I think you were 20, 21 at that point. Um, this was coming off the year that San Francisco, Pedro, I don't even know if you'd even seen real world three yet, but just tell me a little bit about how you even got involved. So I was in college at Westminster and I was racing in the SCCA with my dad and we raced a lot of gateway. And, um, obviously in that era, in that time period, I mean, you know, if you were a teenager in your early twenties, you pretty much grew, you just woke up in the morning and MTV was on 24 hours a day. I mean, that was you know, we didn't have a hundred channels and YouTube and all the other stuff or Netflix. We had cable and there were 50 channels and one of those was MTV. And that's pretty much what our generation watched. So obviously very familiar with the real world and the other shows that they had, but you know, never really thought about it or considered or did anything about it. And uh, in fact, I was never a big fan of the show. I kind of liked the, uh, the videos more myself, but anyway, I was sitting in my dorm room at, uh, Westminster and, uh, there was a, a lady named Carmen Cuba, who's actually still a pretty active um, uh, casting director. Every once in a while, I'll be watching a movie and I'll see directed, you know, casted by Carmen Cuba. And uh, she had called the racetrack out at Gateway, which used to be Gateway International Raceway before Curtis bought it. I mean, I guess it's still the same name kind of, but it was a totally different facility before the Oval was built. And um, I used to race there all the time. and My dad raced there all the time. So they were looking for a, a all American athlete and they just called, uh, they knew they wanted to be in England and they knew soccer or car racing would be two big sports. And so they called the racetrack in Illinois and said, you know, we're looking for somebody that fits this profile. Do you, th- do you know of anybody? And they said, Oh yeah, you should try this guy, Mike Johnson. And so sitting in my room, I get this phone call from Carmen. She's like, you know, we think you'd be great for the real world. Would you be interested? And I said, I never really thought about it, but what the hell? So um, they said, okay, we need you to make a video and send it to us. So I uh, took my dad's sports car and drove it through St. Louis at like a hundred something miles an hour, you know, with like with my girlfriend, with a camera out the window, like filming while I was talking and we were doing like, you know, donuts in the parking lot and stuff like that. And just kind of having a whole lot of fun and made my video, sent it in. They called me back and said, Okay, now we want to do the next round. We want to do an, a phone interview with you, and we want you to film that. So I did that, and and there were a few more interviews, maybe. And then they flew me to LA to go on um, 
to meet like the Viacom staff. And uh, they actually set me up on a blind date uh, just to see how I would deal with, you know, uh, the camera crew being around. So I had that all around for, you know, an, an evening. And then, um, then right around New Year's Eve, I think between Christmas and New Year's, they flew me to um, New York City to the main MTV Viacom offices. And uh, there was me. And I think at that time they had cut us down to about 14 to, 10, you know, let's say 10 to 15 people. And they interviewed us all individually. And, uh, and then I guess they, you know, picked who they wanted and then they just said, okay, well, let's, how does this person go with that person? How does that person go with that person? And from what I was told, uh, Neil was the very first person that was selected. And then I was the second because they thought I would be the big counter to Neil. You know, they had to have the opposite. So anyway, I, so I didn't know I was picked and it's early January, 95. And I go back to college to start school. And I think I went to like my first class and I came home and they, uh, I got a phone call that said, uh, this is so-and-so from MTV. What are you doing tomorrow? And I'm like, right now, I guess I'll be in algebra. And they're like, no, you're going to be on a flight. So you better go home and pack your bags. And next thing you knew, I was on a flight to London. I think it's crazy because the, you know, so many people at that point, I had a friend of mine, I had to videotape him because he wanted to be on the show. So I, it was, it was, I hate to say it, Matt, it was the worst video. I've been talking to Matt here and now my buddy, it was the worst video I could, I, that could have been submitted to MTV. So it's crazy to me that you didn't have to submit. There was 25,000 submissions. I think I've read, you didn't even have to really submit. They come to find you. So that's pretty interesting. I don't think a lot of people knew there's a casting director that would be looking. Um, but it sounded like once you got that call, you were fairly interested, right? Like as soon as you found out that they were interested in you, you were like, okay, well, I, I think I want to do this, right? Or did you just kind of play along? I didn't really expect it to happen. You know, you just, you know, it's such a long shot. So I always felt that my interviews went really, really well. And I felt that like I would be good for the show. So I felt confident that this thing might work. But at the same time, you're kind of, you know, as you know, 25,000 people. I mean, the, the, the chances are very slim for sure. And you had no clue that, that that you'd have to go to London, right? So that had to be pretty much a, a Oh, culture. no, no. We absolutely knew it was London. Okay. okay. Yeah, because yeah, they would have made sure we had to have a passport, like, second interview. You know, we had to have all that stuff done. And your, your dad is very prominent in that first episode and then throughout. And uh, how, how did he handle this whole, your rise to fame? I, I think he thought maybe just the race car thing would make you famous, but then this thing, other thing kind of made you. You know, he was... Um, I don't know. I mean, it was all families have their periods of ups and downs. And, you know, we were our family was going through a transition at the time. And so, you know, there's a lot of things when, when you select or agree to do the show. You know, you agree to do the show for yourself and obviously your family and friends and everybody else are kind of brought into it, but they don't agree to do the show. So some people are very open about situations that may or may not be going on with their family or friends and other people kind of quiet. And, you know, it's hard to tell a complete story about somebody if you miss a lot of the background. So a lot of that stuff I just left out because, you know, what was going on in the, in the scenes, because it was, you know, like I said, he, he didn't sign up for it. And so I just kind of left it there. There's still, this is still the first reality TV show on TV. No one had even really broached this, reality TV thing until a little bit later. So this is the fourth season. Um, you know, what did that, what was that like? Because you said you didn't really watch it a lot. And did you, did you play to the camera? Did you care about the cameras? Did you just like, wh what was your thoughts of being there for those, those months? And, and, you know, like, what, what am I going to get out of this after? Like, what was your thought of getting out of it? What were you thinking of? 
Well, I really helped. I really expected it to help my racing career. I thought that I would have sponsors just call up and want to do, you know, and, and be a part of whatever I was doing racing. So I thought um, that was going to go much better than it ever really did. You know, you become a, a such a quick, you know, it's, it's such a 15 minutes of fame. I mean, you're so big, you're huge. And then all of a sudden you're done. And, um, and not that that bothered me. It's just, I expected it to be like, Oh, okay, great. You know, now we want to catch on with this person. But in reality, you know, you're not really that famous. You're kind of just well-known, you know, and, um, you know, people recognize you and stuff, but you know, they recognize you because you're on a TV show. They're not recognizing you because you've done anything. And, um, so, you know, I, I guess I was kind of, I, I expected some more to come from that standpoint, but I also probably didn't put really all the work into it. I wasn't like out trying to do stuff. And, you know, and like if I had, had I gone to like Subway sandwiches or something like that, I didn't have another TV show to promote anyway. So what was it going to do with just, you know, some kid racing cars? Um, so, I mean, from that standpoint, I guess that would have been nicer if something better for my career happened, but um you know, I still don't regret the whole trip or the whole time I was there, but no, and I didn't really, I wouldn't say you play up to the cameras because they're there all the time. At least I didn't. I mean, our group was, you know, when you go to, you know, the ones before us and afterwards, especially Miami, you know, our group was, was probably more mature than the rest of them. Uh, We all knew what we wanted to do in our careers. And most of us are still doing that career. You know, we didn't go to London to just get drunk and get naked. We kind of went because it was London and it was fun and it was a great opportunity, um, which is probably why we're the most boring cast ever. But, um, you know, like so, but so we all still kind of doing similar things. I'm still in racing. Lars is still DJing. Sharon's still singing. Jacinda's still acting, you know, modeling. Um, Neil's still Neil. And, you know, Jay Jay became a, a, a... weatherman in like Portland or something like that. So we're all kind of doing things very similar. You know, we just didn't go to just get wasted. I didn't want to say that you guys were a boring cast, but what I thought was it was a boring location. I I, I know London would have been neat and, hey, we're going to go international with this, but I think if you put you guys in Miami and you got Jacinda running around Miami and maybe Neil, maybe it's a different show and the colors of this house are now, you know, turquoise and orange because everything just seems so dark and drab because London's like that, right? I mean, it, it maybe it was just that, that scenery too, that made it, it, it was a kind of a perfect storm for, you know, I, again, I don't remember being boring, but I, I do remember, yeah, the other cast being a little more flamboyant. And I also think about their houses being definitely more colorful. Yeah. I mean, after us was like Miami and Hawaii. I mean, how do you not have fun doing those things, you know? And, and you're right. I mean, it was, I think it went, I think it was like four and a half straight months of rain where it rained every day at some point. Um, the other thing that would made it things challenging is, you know, none of us had work visas, so we couldn't work. We couldn't do things. And, you know, it's like when you take, if you were doing that at college and you're working towards something, then you're working towards something and you're living a life. When you're taking a, a semester off of school or life to go live in a house to film a TV show, you're not working towards anything. You know, you can't go start a real job. I mean, maybe you can sell coffee, but it's not like you're going to start your career. You're not going to do a odd semester of college somewhere, you know? So we're all kind of thrown in this place where we really couldn't go anywhere and we really couldn't do that much, which also kind of made it boring. And, you know, it's like, yeah, if you want excitement, you need to have a pool and a hot tub and people outside and taking our clothes off. 
and it's cold and rainy every day. So, um, I mean, we did have a highlight. I mean, we did go, uh, what, two weeks to Africa, which was pretty spectacular. And that was probably our, our, by far our highlight of our show. But, you know, you know, also they had come from San Francisco with the Pedro and the puck, which was a lot. And then, you know, we were the last group that didn't have a job. And then I believe Miami, the year after us, I think they gave them $50,000 and said, start a business. And then a year after that, they were like, okay, well, you're going to run a radio show or you're going to do this. You know, they tried to force some type of interaction that we never had. You know, we were never like, okay, let's all go to work together. I mean, it was, you know, you wake up, you get your groceries, you go for a walk and you're like, well, now what do we do? Because you can't walk, you can't work, you can't do this, you can't do anything else. So you kind of, and you're not really progressing your life. You're just in on pause for the most part yeah, from what i remember that miami group never really got it together either the <laughs> joe was the only it's just like flora's like uh, i'm not i'm not here to work i'm here to be on tv well so what was it like when you got home and then you know the thing airs i mean again we're sort of the same age i'm a few years younger than you but again i don't remember this big groundswell of hey mike johnson's on mtv i mean i watched it but there was no you know, hey, come meet Mike Johnson from the real world. You know, maybe five years later, this may have happened for you. But back then, it didn't tell me what it was like when you see it on TV and just what happened around uh, town. Well, I mean, I did a few re- uh, radio shows. I did a few appearances. Um, a lot of people tried to do this book career, like this um, like this college touring gig where we would go to different colleges and speak in front of auditoriums and answer questions. But I don't know. It all just felt kind of hokey. I mean, it was easy money, but it was kind of hokey, but, um, you know, it, it's just, it, it just, every, every situation was a little bit different and a little bit unique. I mean, you always feel people, you know, um, you always feel people looking at you. You always feel people like you can feel people in the room talking about you, like nobody else would notice, but I would notice like, Oh, those people over there, they know who I am and they're talking about me. And, you know, and the, the, the show is, you know, it's not like going to see a movie and you see the whole thing at once. I mean, it was six more months of the show airing. And um, and what was really weird is that, you know, you do a, let's say they take a week of whatever happened and put that into an episode. Well, if you think about everything you do in one week, that's, you know, 24 hours a day of what you do times seven. Multiply that by seven people and then knock all that down to a 22-minute episode. So you remember what happened in the week, and they're taking maybe three minutes of that week and trying to make an entire episode of your life. So it's very segmented. And when you when I watch the show back, um, you would see yourselves, you could see yourself uh, like start a conversation in one room and end it in another room or wear a red shirt or finish in a blue shirt or start in a confessional and end in a interview, you know, and I'm not saying that what you say and do is, is not true, but it is very heavily edited. And so, um, you know, they're going to get the story, whatever it is they're looking for, which might not be the story. And sometimes you don't know the story is even happening. So you never defend yourself. Because you don't know what, you know, if you could watch the episode, then you'd be like, oh, well, I would have done this, this, and this, or I would have said this and this, but you don't know it. So, you know, so many people would come up to you and they're like, oh, I know about this. And I know about that. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, you just saw this yesterday. This happened to me six months ago, and I don't remember anything of what you're mentioning, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, there were some weird things like that, but, I, you know, one of the, 
the, the, the funniest things I always found, and it happened all the time, would be like some really cool guy would show up and he'd be like, hey, man, you know, uh, I have no idea who you are. I've never heard of this show. Uh, I think it's so dumb, but my girlfriend wants me to know, are you that guy from the real world? And I'm like, yeah, I'm that guy. He's like, cool. I've never seen your show before, and I have no idea who you are. But in episode two, at three minutes and 14 seconds, you were wearing a blue shirt. And where did you get that blue shirt? Because I love that blue shirt. And then you did this, 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 and this. But I've never seen your show. You know, and you're like, all right. I think you've seen it. It's okay to admit that you watched the real world, you know? Do you, do you walk away with it with a positive experience? And, and secondly, did you like the way they portrayed your character? Because we all know these are – they're making characters out of you. Did you – Yeah, I mean I was fine with it. There were, um, you know, two two maybe bits where – I mean there were a few bits in there where you're like, uh, you know, there was, there was one really bad scene where um, Sharon had just had like tonsillitis or something like that. And uh, – she couldn't breathe and she couldn't talk and she was in her room like sick and crying. And then they show an episode of, and then Lars and I are at the kitchen table just joking about how much Sharon annoys us. But it was the exact same things that we had had conversations with Sharon before. It's like, Sharon, you're always late. Sharon, you're always late. You know, and it was like nothing that we would never say to her face. So then there's this episode where, Sharon, you know, Neil or Lars and I are going out and we're like, where's Sharon? Where's Sharon? And then they cut to her in her room bawling you know, because she was actually sick. And I mean, it wasn't even on the same week, you know? And then you're like, and all these people are like, oh, you were so mean to Sharon. I'm like, no, it was two totally falsely edited things that put together. And you're like, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, it's who cares? Do you get to the, I mean, pro- do you go to the producer? I'm happy I did it. I got a great trip to Africa. I got to live in London. You know, it's, it's a fun story. I had a professional camera crew, you know, document my life for, six months and uh and you know i get to show those stories to my children do you get to even like go to the producer and go what the hell was that like later on even though it's you know it's aired and and talk to those guys and just say listen what why'd you do that or is it matter is it too late i could have but i don't care but i mean like i'm flying out to long beach for a car race this weekend and uh lars and i are gonna have dinner one night and i'll see my old director matt cunitz for a day and i mean you know because they all they're all out there and um yeah i mean we're all just friends we do we actually do a a zoom call uh, starting in covid we've now done uh, like three or four zoom calls already where we all get together and of course sharon was the one that puts it all together and she showed up an hour late for the last one but they still get mad at me for saying she shows up late the whole the whole cast gets together and does this mm-hmm. I, I yeah. mean, that's well, jay doesn't jay hasn't made it to any of them now why, where's jay why is, why is he is he just i don't know i haven't heard from him in 20 years that's that wow that's crazy so so these calls you just talked about these zoom calls that have you have you used kept in touch with everyone pretty much over these years or how does that how, I mean, how we've, we've gone in pretty large gaps of um not really talking um neil and sharon are hard to reach i, I talked to lars more because he's either in new york or la uh jacinda kind of was in toronto for a while so doing some tv shows you know it's it's it, it's a very unique experience that we all went through together which is great, but at the same time, it's no different than doing a, a year of, you know, a semester in college. You know, you live in a dorm for a semester, you meet these 10, 15 people that you think are going to be your best friends the whole life. And the next year you're at a new dorm and a new semester and it's all over and those people go away. So, um, I mean, I, I think if, 
I had met any of these people otherwise, you know, if I was in a dorm with them, I wouldn't have kept in touch with them. But because we've got this unique experience and it's fun, it's, you know, it's kind of great. Tell me a little bit about Neil's, uh, the night, you know, the biggest moment of your guys' season there. I mean, this thing went on for what, three parts. They made it where he gets his, what his, his tongue bit off of, or, tell me what that was like being around that. Uh, how was it edited? I guess. Cause that'd be a good question to see if there was any more to that. I know that the story has been around a million years, but just what was it like yeah. being around that? I wasn't there for the night, so I don't really know what happened, but I guess he was singing and he went up to, I don't know if he kissed a guy or a guy kissed him or the whole thing, but this other guy bit through, completely through his tongue. It was never bit off. It was just kind of like through, you know, so like the teeth, I mean, it was still there. And um, I don't know, you just, you just think how, who does that? You know, that's your, your first thought is like, not from, I mean, if, if you're Neil and that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. You're a punk rock star. That's fine. But like, if somebody came, if some guy came up to me and kissed me and put his tongue down my throat, I'd do a lot of things, but a bite through their tongue would not be one of them, you know? So the whole thing was just so weird. And I just kind of was like, you know what? I, this isn't my problem. So I just kind of avoided it. How is Sharon? You just mentioned her. I guess let's go through the cast and just get an update. Uh, Sharon is still living in London, and what is she up to? She's still living in London. She still is trying to work on um, some of her music stuff. Uh, she works at Apple. Um, I don't know exactly what she does, but she's uh, she's been working at Apple for a long time, and she seems relatively happy. She, um, her and her mom came to St. Louis, of all places, for some type of uh, religious retreat like five years ago, and we got to hang out for two days and it was a lot of fun. And, um, but yeah, she's the toughest one to keep a hold of because she's, you know, lives on the other side of the world. And you don't really see or hear from her, but Jacinda, you said on social, I mean, most of the stuff you learn about anybody is from social media and Jacinda, I guess she's still just kind of keeping, she's been a friend and kind of keeping contact with her, I guess. Oh yeah. Jacinda, she, um, made a few movies after the real world, did some TV shows, um, then she met a guy, Gabe, somebody who's on the show Suits, I think. I've never seen it. And, um, and then they have two kids and then they moved to, I want to say they moved to Miami for a while cause she was on that show, um, that Netflix show with, uh, the bloodline. She was on bloodline for a while. And then I think they just moved back to New York city where they're at now, but I haven't, I haven't seen her in years. What are these Zoom calls like? I mean, you guys just sort of get back to where, I mean, does it feel like you're right back in a room? Are you talking about your families? Like, what, how, does, how does that even go? I can't, I think it's fun to hear about. It's been like, you know, when we start, I mean, we, it's, it's a big group of us because you have the six of the seven cast members and then you have probably another 10 or so crew, directors, producers, casting directors, editors, cameramen, you know, they're all just kind of invited. So you know, the first time we did it, I mean, everybody kind of went around and I mean, the first one was like four hours long because everyone just kind of filled in where they were. But then it was also in the middle of COVID and everybody had to have their COVID opinion. And, um, and then, you know, the next ones are just, I mean, we've done one since and I was only on it for a few minutes. So I, I don't really know a lot happened, but I heard it went on for hours because I was in the middle of a car race wherever I was. And, you know, I kind of caught in and I was like, held the zoom up, like there's the racetrack, there goes my car, here I am. And I sat there, but I mean, like, I'm making so much noise. They're like, Mike, you got to mute. And then, and I'm doing my job. So, but I mean, it's, it's just fun to see people and see what they're doing and hear about their kids. And, 
you know, but a lot of stuff, you know, you've got some, you know, like anything else in this time period, you've got some people on one side of this fence and the other side of the other fence. And, you know, they just want to talk about that for a little while. Of course. Well, the first season had a reunion that just aired on Paramount Plus. Would you guys be interested in that? I don't know if you saw it, if you, what you thought of it, if you did. Um, but did you have you if they asked your group? Because I know I think season two is being asked, and they're actually I think they're actually filming. I'm fairly certain Dominic's not there because he he told me he didn't want to do anything, including this. So, but uh, just curious, did you see it? And would you think your group would be interested in all getting back together for a week and put get in a house like they did? Uh, I think we would do it for sure. I mean, a week does seem like a long time. Like if I was going to pick a week vacation, you know, I don't need a, I mean, we did a, uh, we did a, we did a a 10 year reunion episode at 10 years and we all got flown out to LA and we did this big thing. And I mean, I was like, I was pretty much done in a night, you know, I'm like, okay, good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you. I had done one challenge and even on the challenge, Sharon and I did it together and we went to Cabo and we were off in like the, by the second or third day. And like that was plenty, you know, so what am I going to do for a week? Now, if they're like, hey, for a week, we're going to take you on this adventure. You know, you're going to get to go like, you know, there's things to do or, you know, you're going to go on a safari or you're going to go on a uh uh expedition. I mean, something is fine, but I, I don't I couldn't sit in a room for seven days with somebody and be like, all right, well, I haven't talked to you in 20 years. How you been? Good. How are you? Great. All right. Now what do we do for the next six and a half days? Yeah. I think they're going to have to rework it. I watched a little bit of it just for the novelty effect and I, I didn't really get through it. Um, I was curious of the challenges. I mean, you could have done more challenges, right? And you could have become like a Johnny Bananas or a CT. No, no interest in being a challenge star and do that for the rest of your life. No, I, um, you know, the, the one challenge that I did, there were, there were two, well, there were two post real world things that I did. I did the challenge and I did the reunion. And when we did the reunion, um, we go out for the reunion. There's 70 of us there. Let's say 60. Cause let's say, cause it was 10 years and let's say half, half a dozen people didn't show up. So let's say there's 60 of us out there. Well, we go out there. We all agree to go out there. Our flights are paid. Our hotels are paid. It's going to be a nice event. You get to see your friends. They do some interviews. They're going to film a little party. They're going to take some photos and you go home. Well, like halfway into this thing, one of the people like starts this like protest, like we should be getting paid and we should be doing this and they're going to make money off us. And it just became this like, I'm like, did you really, you you agreed to come here. Why in the hell are you now boycotting this because you want $10,000, you know? And I'm like, like, who cares? I just came to like see some old friends and go home. And then even when I did the challenge, you know, there was always, you know, uh, somebody or someone or something had to create some type of issue. And I'm just like, ah, you know, I don't, I don't get on one side or the other. I'm like, where's the issue? It's over there. Great. I'll be over here. I'm an adult. You know, I'm like, well, that's why I'm, just, I'm not a I'm not an 18 year old kid that just wants to fight over dumb stuff anymore. That's why you're not good for the challenges. Then you're probably not good for the challenge. <laughs> uh, I think they did one with me, and they're like, "Yeah, we're done with him." <laughs> but overall, I mean, there's not many people that were on the show. You did the fourth season, so it was still a new thing. Does it sort of still make you feel kind of cool that you know that not many people, especially three years in, four years in, 
you were one of the first selected. Does it does it still make you kind of feel kind of cool? I mean, I don't know how you feel about you know me coming to reaching out to you and doing this, but I'm interested, and I think people are. Does it make you feel you know kind of nice that eh, shit people still remember? That's good. Yeah, I mean it's it's um, it's been fun. Um, you know, I, I just pulled my videotapes out again. I where I. Uh, the girl I'm, I'm dating and her daughter, uh, you know, this totally new for them. So for them to see it and watch it, I mean, we had to pull out some old VHS from the basement, you know, and I mean, it's, it's a, it's a great experience. It's something I don't regret by any means. Um, it's had a, an impact on my life, not a huge one, one way or the other, but it's, it's been a great experience. And, you know, if, if I got a phone call that said, Hey, come to, um, you know, come down to Vegas for a three day reunion, that'd be great. I would do it, you know, or if they said, Hey, we're going to do an old folks challenge and we're going to see if you guys can like get your walkers out and walk down the street. I'd be like, yeah, that'd be fine. You know I mean? It's, it's, it's definitely a part of my life. I'm not embarrassed by it. I'm not ashamed of it. There's nothing that's like anything bad. I think it's cool to be, you know, when we talk about gen X and gen Y and gen Z and whatever the hell they're all called. It's like, yeah, I mean, I, you know, there's a book written about gen X and I'm in it, you know, it's like, you know, I didn't create the genre, but I am a part of reality TV. And so, you know, when you explain things to your children and you're like, oh, well, this is how we used to do things. And I was, you know, part of that little bit of pop culture history. Yeah, no, it's cool. And I, I, I'm not here to plug Paramount Plus. I'm not a shill for them, but I will say your season's on there. So I did go back and take a look just to kind of get myself reacquainted with the group. I don't. I never watched the show. I'm, I'm kidding. I was going to kind of go back and do a callback from 15 minutes ago. Do you still have that sweet blues leather coat that we see in the first first episode? Though that was. I wore it to the Stanley Cup. Okay, I was going to say that. That's a. That's a. The, what's great is they brought that jersey back. You know, everyone hated that color, and now it's back. And so you you still and it still fits. That's good because I was going to say, wow, that's that's a piece of Americana. I don't think I've ever seen it besides in the show. Um, yeah. How was that for you for yeah, the Stanley? I actually, I actually wore it to the Stanley Cup. I had a, I think I posted it on Facebook where I got like a photo of the, the I like screenshotted a photo of the, from the show, and then I wore it, you know, again to the game, and so it was a, it was a fun deal. Which game did you go? Did you go? I mean, Boston was where we won. They won. I do. I went to uh, what did I go to three and six. And I definitely was at six. That was a disaster. Yeah. And I was at the one that we won, which I think was three. But I also, I also went to like the Dallas game seven. The min, I mean, I went to like every home clinching one. And I just, and I shared tickets with my cousins, and it was just my rotation. You know, I might not have, you know, if we would have swept, I wouldn't have gotten those game sevens. But I did. And it just worked on my schedule, and so I got to keep going to all those winning games. You know, the double overtime win, and um, it was great. And we, even when I went to game two or game three, I'm sorry. Game three or four, whichever one we won, I remember like going, all right, you know, I've spent all my money on Stanley Cup. I'm not going again. And then we won when we won game five. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to clinch this thing. I was like, I don't care what it costs. I'm going to game six. And I was like three rows behind the Blues goal. And, you know, I watched that first goal trickle in off Bennington. And I'm like, oh, this is we're not winning this one. I could just I was like, that was that was money poorly spent. They went to that rally downtown, and I think we left in the second period. You're like, let's beat traffic. This will probably not. Um, are you a bigger Blues fan or Cardinal fan? I'm guessing a Blues because you're wearing the coat, right? Yeah, uh, always been a Blues fan. You know, car- baseball's 
okay. I mean, I guess, you know, if, 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 if it's October and they mentioned they're still talking about the Cardinals on the radio, I'll turn it on. I was, I was a much bigger Rams fan. I was much more sad to watch them leave than um, anything else. Yeah, well, maybe we'll have another team after this lawsuit. So we'll, we'll get another team back and we'll have our Blues in the playoffs and the Cardinals. Uh, Mike, I appreciate it. I had fun. I hope you did too. This was fun just to kind of hear about the, I, again, it, your season is sort of, I don't want to say forgotten, but it, it's in that middle of, uh, you know, like you said, they started giving these people tasks. They started hiring models to be in there. So uh, it was fun. I, I wanted to see if there's anything you wanted to mention. We talked about Victory Raceway. Is there anything that we may not have said during this that you want to mention to the folks watching here on YouTube? No, I don't have nothing really, nothing insightful to add by any means. Just thanks for watching and, uh, you know, go to Victory Raceway and go spend all your money there. I'd appreciate it. All right. Well, thank, thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Thank you for watching. This is Here's the Pitch. I am Brad, and it's sponsored by Masses Restaurants in St. Louis, five locations, stlmasses.com. Go to the website, check out their menus, and find directions if you're driving through town. We'll see you next time.